0: Postal Publishing Publishing, The the Going Postal Cast and and Christopher Christopher Chapman present Incarceration Incarceration. The serialized weekly podcast performed by the author Christopher Chapman For more information visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com This podcast is not suitable for children It has violence gore and lots and lots of naughty words If you can't handle that somewhere else and now on with the story or whatever other crap I decide to come up with hello junkies now don't go getting all upset I can actually say that this week why can I say that because of so many new subscribers all thanks to the Scott Sigler podcast for those of you who aren't aware of that I had a promo run on the Scott Sigler podcast this past week, and mysteriously over the last week, we've doubled in size. So that led to all kinds of riches in the iTunes department, meaning that I was actually featured on the new and noteworthy section of the literature charts and was also number 12 on the literature charts at one point. I don't know if I was any higher or not but yeah it was kind of very interesting. I, I was kind of shocked. I check my subscribers you know, every couple of days or so and I happened to go on on Monday and I saw that whoa my subscribers were up by like 20 and as like I just was blown away by it. And I was like, "Oh, I wonder if that promo ran." And sure enough, listen to scott sigler's mvp and which by the way is a great story and those of you who uh, may not have listened to scott go check it out ScottSigler.com. so that was pretty much uh the highlight of my week so things were going really well this week and was nice to see a podcast that started what nine weeks ago to be so high up on the charts it was kind of nice And is one of uh, the bright spots of doing this. So as far as other updates, I'm still working on the audiobook. I have had like zero time over the last couple of weeks with Halloween, uh, The Candidate, which I'll get to The Candidate in just a second. Uh, With everything going on, I have basically, I have two more chapters to edit. And then the audiobook for incarceration will be sent to all the appropriate places including being sold on the website. So I will hopefully have that done very soon and just got to get through life. Speaking of those things that got me, kind of kept me busy, The Candidate is now available on the website, goingpostalpublishing.com, as well as for the Kindle on amazon.com. And if you're going to buy it off of Amazon, just click through the banner on the website and go there and get it. And I get a few extra cents. The Candidate is a short story that I wrote. It's got a political theme to it, as well as a little bit of the woman scorned theme. I kind of like the woman scorned thing. It is available for 99 cents on Kindle. It will be available for the iPad and for the Nook in the upcoming days, if not weeks, knowing how Nook goes. So, be on the lookout for that if you're interested. It will be available on the website, goingpostalpublishing.com. Just click on the store link. It will be available on there for $0.95. And just be forewarned, if you do purchase it on there, you will get it sometime that day because the setup I have right now is not perfect. And unfortunately, I haven't figured out a way once you've picked what format you want to get it to download right away. I have to employ the services of a better store front, I think. I'm just using the PayPal services right now, which are simplistic and are serving my purposes for the low volume I've had thus far. Now into my NaNoWriMo updates. As you all know, NaNoWriMo is going on through the month of November, and I am currently doing about an 1,800 word per day, 1,900 word per day pace, So I'm hopefully going to be done with my 50,000 words for the month before November's over with. Sometimes that's easier said than done, but that brings me into a topic that I wanted to talk about. The differences in writing between horror and fantasy or young adult. I've been uh, working on this new story. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, my first venture into fantasy And with that, it's kind of going more young adult. I kind of like to swear in my stories. I feel as if people under extreme circumstances, swearing is kind of a natural thing. You're not going to see a building explode and somebody's just going to go, oh, wow, look at that. No, they're going to say, holy shit, man. What the? Well, you get the point. So that was the first thing I had to reprogram myself on getting rid of the swearing. Then there was the other thing. Very elaborate deaths. Right away in the first chapter of this book, I kind of put in a scene in which a guy's face was basically melting off and I was being very descriptive about it. And then I was basically finishing up and I realized, oh, crap, this is for young adults. And so I went back and came up with a Softer way of killing him, I suppose, or a less graphic way. It, I still kind of got a little creepy with it, but it was. I definitely had to soften it up a little bit because I didn't want to just completely go out there and go straightforward horror because that's what I've been used to writing for the last fifteen years or so. But the fantasy story is coming along quite well. I'm putting things together as far as getting the plot going and moving creating a world that i think is very my style of fantasy and my style of a fantasy world so putting that together and it's a little bit different i think from traditional fantasy stories because i employ a, a more of a real world approach so enough about that let's get into incarceration I want to get the story going, so let's just get right into it. Here it is. Episode 7 of Incarceration. Chapter 13 Jason had been in handcuffs for long enough. He'd been told that was all precautionary. In the confusion brought on by the death of his parents, he'd believed the cop. How could he have been so stupid? He knew better than to trust the cop. He tried to move his arms out from behind his back, but was restricted by the cuffs. They were far too tight. He'd been feeling tingling in his fingers for more than 15 minutes. It was hard to tell time when he'd been in a room that held only one table and two chairs. He was sitting in one of those chairs. A large mirror lying in the wall opposite the door that he'd entered through. He'd heard stories about the police having two-way mirrors... A cop would enter the room and try to get a suspect to confess while a group of cops, and sometimes a video camera, would be on the other side of the mirror, watching everything. He stared at the mirror, wanting them to know that he knew that they were there. The door opened, causing him to break his stare. He looked at the door as Chief of Police Randy Thompson walked through. He carried a pad of paper and a small tape deck. He placed the tape deck onto the table and sat down opposite him, pressing the red record button as he did, He placed the pad in front of him and started writing with a red pen. I thought I was supposed to talk to the other officer about what happened, Jason said, half-crying. Consider this your opportunity, Randy said, pointing at the tape recorder. For the record, my name is Randy Thompson. I'm the chief of police. I'm recording this conversation, as well as taking notes with my notepad. He held up the pad. I want you to tell me everything as you remember it one last time. I'm going to be honest with you. Things don't look good, Jason. I have a group of officers working through the night, trying to make sure that those bodies make it to the morgue, where they're going to be more heavily guarded. There was a long pause as Thompson looked at him strangely. Was he waiting for some sort of reaction? He was. What kind of reaction could he possibly be waiting for? Anyways, Thompson continued, I want to make sure that we're telling each other the truth here. Not leaving anything behind. Can we agree on that? Jason nodded. Good. Now why don't you go ahead and tell me everything? For the third time that night, Jason told Officer Thompson everything that had happened. From seeing the man in the hall to seeing him again right outside the cruiser, he said everything in as much detail as he could. He saw a surprise expression on Thompson's face when he went into detail about how the blood felt when it hit him, even mentioning his surprise when he realized what it was. When it was all over, Thompson's expression returned to the way it had been before he'd started. Thompson didn't believe him. Thank you, Mr. Wrangle," Thompson said, looking smug. I'm sure that will prove very useful. Now, I have to ask you about those scissors. What about them? You say you used them to stab the killer in the chest, then pushed him down the stairs. Is that correct? Yes, Jason answered, not liking where this was headed. I personally checked both areas when I entered the house. Thompson paused, as if he was choosing his words carefully. There was no body. I told you, he got up. Oh, that's right. He was sitting outside my police cruiser, trying to kill you while you hid in my car. Jason didn't answer. I'm trying to make heads or tails of this, Jason. I'm having a difficult time believing in the existence of this killer. There has, so far, been absolutely no evidence to confirm that this person even exists. Thompson started flipping through his notepad. Jason saw that there had been some notes that had been written in there before he'd entered the room. He was reading them now. I got off the phone with your principal, Thompson continued. A Mr. Griffin. What? I consider it my duty to do background checks on my witnesses, as well as my suspects. "'Somebody needed to tell him that you wouldn't be going to school in the morning. "'After all, your parents just died. "'In your position, I imagine you won't be going to school for quite a while.' "'Jason stared at him. "'Oh, and while I was on the phone with him, he filled me in on some other things. "'Imagine that. "'Let me say that it was very eye-opening.' "'Jason hadn't initially known where he was going with this, "'but now he understood completely.' Thompson had done some poking and talked to a man that wasn't exactly going to become a member of his fan club anytime soon. This was getting bad in a hurry. He told me that there was an incident at school today. He told me that you got into a fight with Nathan Paulson, and the fight ended with you sending him to the hospital. I'm guessing that's why your hands look as if they've been through a meat grinder. He paused for dramatic effect. Jason hated him for it. Now that I think about it, I think I may have seen him at the hospital while I was there this afternoon. You did quite a number on him. Another pause. Mr. Griffin went on to say that you had a heated argument with him after he mentioned something about your temper. He says that you became hostile and harassed him about one of his problems. He's an alcoholic, Jason said through gritted teeth. He knew what this guy was trying to do. He'd gotten wind that he had a bad temper and was now trying to add fuel to the fire to see if he could get those flames going and get them burning bright. The problem was that it was working. He could feel his anger returning. I'm not really sure how that's relevant, Thompson said, looking Jason straight in the eyes. I'm not questioning him about his flaws. I'm questioning you. As I said, I do my research before I talk to my suspects. Suspects. I'm officially a suspect, Jason thought. The words rattled around in his mind, seeking revenge. This poor excuse for a cop thought he'd killed his parents. How in the hell could he be so stupid? Didn't he see all that blood? Didn't he look at the spot on the ground? There had to be footprints. Hadn't he looked at his window? There was bound to be a large scratch etched into the glass. He'd seen it. Two of my officers canvassed the neighborhood, talking to various neighbors, Thompson continued. "'We did the same thing yesterday. "'Turns out you were at school at the time. "'Anyway, tonight one of your neighbors stated "'that she heard a heated argument between you and your father. "'She said something along the lines "'that you actually wished your parents dead.' "'I did not,' Jason shouted, realizing the play on his words. "'He'd said some stupid things, but never wished his parents dead. "'He could feel the blood rushing to his face as anger gripped him tight. "'He wanted to hurt this man.' If only there weren't any handcuffs on him, then he'd have a fair fight. Jason didn't come until he realized that he had just played into the cop's hands. The cop was right about doing his homework. He learned exactly how to push each and every one of his buttons and get the reactions he needed out of him. He knew how it was supposed to work and used it to his advantage. Jason saw the expression on Thompson's face. He was startled. Jason looked around. He hadn't realized that he was now standing. He had been so upset that he had stood up and hadn't noticed. "'Could you please sit down, Mr. Wrangle? Thompson said. "'I'd like to get through this interview with no more outbursts. Believe it or not, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of this. I want to find out who killed your parents as much as you do.' Jason stared at Thompson without saying anything. "'Did this guy, the chief of police,' actually believed that he could lie right to his face and he wouldn't notice he was blatantly trying to get him to admit to a murder that he didn't commit then acted as if he were a long lost friend this cop truly was the master of head games enough was enough jason knew that he had to call the officer out on his actions or he would continue playing his games there wouldn't be any more manipulation from him or anybody else Jason needed to regain some of the control he lost the second he turned to the cop for help. I don't think you care about who killed my mother or father, Jason told Thompson. He was aware of the anger and hatred in his voice. He struggled to keep his voice calm. I haven't figured out what your angle is, but I know that you want me to admit to something I didn't do. This entire show is a bunch of bullshit. You're so blinded by your ambition to arrest someone that you aren't doing your job. I will say this one last time to make sure you're paying attention. I did not kill my parents. He finally sat back down, knowing that he'd accomplished his goal. He looked across the table and saw that he had rattled Thompson. His eyes shifted back and forth as he tried to think of a response. Jason waited, knowing that he would be able to handle whatever he dished out. He regained control by getting under the officer's skin. Thompson opened his mouth to speak, but quickly closed it again. He looked as if he were struggling for his words. His mouth opened, and this time he was able to speak. "'You can play this game all you want,' Thompson said. "'Unfortunately, I don't have the time to deal with this. "'I'm going to lay it all out on the table for you. "'We know that you have a temper, and that you fought with Nathan Paulson, "'argued with Terry Griffin, and then your parents.' "'This all happened in a 12-hour span before your parents were murdered. "'The night before, the Normans are murdered less than a block from your house. "'It just so happens that their house looks exactly the same as yours on the inside.' "'He paused, taking in a deep breath. "'He leaned in close to look Jason in the eyes. "'I spotted you covered in blood, "'carrying a pair of scissors that may or may not be the weapon that killed all five people. "'We'll find that out soon enough.' "'You blame all of this on some man with large teeth that left no evidence behind. "'What do you expect me to believe?' "'Jason had nothing to say. "'He wasn't really surprised by anything that Thompson said, "'with the exception of one thing. "'He hadn't known that the Normans' house was like his. "'He'd known the Normans for years. "'He'd been casual friends with Jesse, but had never once been in their house. "'Nor had Jesse been over to his. "'Sure, the houses looked very similar on the outside,' with the exception of the paint jobs, but that didn't necessarily mean that they were also the same on the inside. How was he supposed to know that? They were both built years before he was born. It wasn't as if everything else didn't already paint a big bullseye on his chest. Now they had one more thing to pin on him. He was royally screwed, and he knew it. There was no other choice for him. He had to start protecting himself from the police, as well as his inexperience with the law. I don't think I should say anything else until I speak to a lawyer, Jason said, feeling as if he'd already lost. He'd really hoped that it wouldn't come to this. If that's the way you want it, Thompson said, standing up. He walked around the table until he was next to Jason. He bent over and moved in close enough for Jason to smell that Thompson hadn't brushed his teeth in a while. His breath smelled bad, like old cigarettes. If that's how you want it? Fine, Thompson said, spittle flying from his lips onto the side of Jason's face. For now, I'm holding you for the murders of Mary and Gary Rangel and the entire Norman family. You've already been given your Miranda rights, so let's get this show on the road. Thompson looked at the mirror on the wall, made a motion to come in with his hands, then waited. The door opened, revealing two officers. They entered the room, heading straight to Jason. He tried standing but felt a pressure on his shoulders. Thompson had a hand on each shoulder, holding him where he was. "'This goes a hell of a lot easier if you cooperate,' Thompson said. "'Let's not add resisting an officer to your laundry list of problems. "'You're in enough hot water as it is.' Still, Jason tried to resist. He didn't want to be here. He wanted to be somewhere, anywhere, but found himself being held against his will by an officer who was blind to the truth." Why couldn't he see that there was something wrong with this picture? The two officers grabbed him and pulled him from the room. Jason was surprised by how strong they were. They moved him like he didn't weigh more than a sack of potatoes, carrying him if they had to. Eventually, Jason stopped resisting. He realized that this was going to happen whether he wanted it to or not, and he didn't like it. He was brought to processing, where they took his fingerprints and mugshot. Despite his innocence, He felt like a criminal as he stood before the camera, holding a sign with his name on it. They asked him to turn sideways, took even more photos, and even took several close-up photos of his injured hands. Next, they brought him to a small room where the handcuffs were released. He was handed a small sack of clothes and told to change. He looked down at the clothes in his hand. The ensemble consisted of an orange shirt, orange pants, and slippers. Jason looked at the officers. He didn't want to do this. He could see on their faces that they weren't messing around. They each had their hands on their clubs. He suspected that they would use them if needed. Even in his anger and frustration, he didn't want to give them a reason. He did as he was told, removing his clothes, then putting on his new orange jail uniform. They then let him out of that room and down a corridor lined with metal doors. There were three total. He was brought to the final one. "'We usually don't get this much excitement round here,' one of the officers said. "'Other than the occasional drunk, we don't usually get many people in these cells. "'Lucky you, nobody here tonight. You get the run of the place.' "'How long will I be here?' Jason asked. "'It was the first time he'd spoken since requesting a lawyer.' "'Just tonight,' the other officer said. "'You'll be shipped to the Marinette County Jail sometime tomorrow.' They're better equipped to handle your particular needs." They brought him to the final cell. It opened, as if by magic. Jason stood outside the cell, looking in. The room was as dark as night. He froze when the reality struck him that this was where they were planning to keep him for the night. The darkness seemed to be calling out to him, begging him to come inside. All he could think about was how the killer had murdered his parents, spraying his father's blood on him and he hadn't even known it anything could happen in the dark he, the creature who had killed his parents could even be in there with him and he wouldn't know he looked down at his arms most of the blood was still there they had tried cleaning him shortly after he arrived but stopped trying after a while an officer pushed at his back forcing him inside Jason resisted refusing to go in Fear swelled up inside him. He didn't want any part of this darkness. Something could be in here. He could be in here. He would try killing him the same way he killed his parents. No, Jason said, panicking. Not in the dark. Please. Anything but that. He's in here. He's in here. His final words had grown to nearly a full scream. He was as frightened as he had been when he was fleeing for his life from the man beast that killed his parents. The resistance was useless as he found himself in the center of the dark room, the only light coming from the doorway that two officers were scurrying through. He ran towards the door, trying to get through before it closed. He was too slow. The door slid shut with surprising quickness. He'd nearly made it, but likely would have been crushed in the process. He found himself all alone in the dark. The only light he could make out was a single blinking light on the ceiling. A video camera? Maybe a smoke alarm? All he knew was that he was alone, and that the killer, Beast, could jump out of the darkness at any second. Running on pure fear and instinct, he did the only thing he could think of. He screamed. So, there it is. Episode 7 of Incarceration. Hope you enjoyed it. It is time to get out of here, so I'm just going to do my due diligence, and just promote the crap out of myself. Hope you don't mind. Like me on Facebook, facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub. Go to YouTube. Do what you have to there. Email me. Questions, comments, cheap shots. Tell me what you think. Tell me you hate my guts and that you want me to die. Goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. I'll be back next week with yet another episode of incarceration. So until next time, that's all folks. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing.